welcome to the Found Cause, where we found our cause in several Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right is... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And all the way over those delayed airwaves, it's... Theodore, under the PC. You like that delay? Not only does it have to go over the airwaves, but then his face is like five seconds reacted. We won't hold it against you, Theodore, because today is a Theodore topic. You'll notice... I forgot to say hello at the beginning of the episode. That's because this is no longer a friendly podcast because I have been keyboard warrioring it up. Our last episode was a reaction to Cameron Bertuzzi and it went crazy well. And by crazy well, I mean at least all of our subscribers and then also my mom uh, visited it. So it had like 260 views. Excellent. Crazy. Wow. And the comment section was getting a little frisky, which I appreciate. You know, it was nice, polite discourse. Um, except for the person that said, you got to speak slower, which I'm sorry, there's a feature on YouTube, you, you go to 75% speed, and I, I promise you, I'll talk slower. It's a problem of mine that I'm not working on. Um, <laughs> the, the topic, of course, for Cameron Pertuzzi's conversion to Catholicism was mostly Catholicism in those comments. And it just so happened in Divine Providence that um, we had planned like a, a top five reasons we're not Catholic series, which we'll still do, um, or not a series, just an episode, top five reasons we're not a lot of different religions. But it so happened that we had a faith and works episode already planned for today, um, which was not, we don't, we don't pre-plan our response videos. So divine providence to talk about it. We're going to talk about it today. It was a little bit of a passion project for Theodore, although he's abandoned the title of ruler <laughs> of this topic. So we're going to all talk about it. Today's episode is a survey what does it mean that we believe in faith without works, a non-works-based salvation, while still believing, of course, that you should do good works? We're going to talk about the balance of that. It's not purely a response to Catholicism. There are many other religions that do this and, and other pseudo-Christian religions and even other um, Christian cults um, that, aren't, that don't have salvation, whatever. They, then they believe in works-based salvation. We want to cut those off the knees um, in, you know, our Catholic people would also cut those same religions off the knees. And when we got comments in the comment section of that previous video, almost all of them that were Catholics said, we don't believe in workspace salvation. You lie. You're telling us that we do and we don't. So take that. And so we'll show where we agree and where we would both point and say that that's workspace salvation and it's wrong. And here's what we actually believe. But we also want to, we want to stick on what we actually believe, what Orthodox Christians should believe. And I mean, Orthodox in the truest sense of the word, believing true Christians who are actually saved, and why also the Catholics have this wrong and wrong badly. And we're using the Word of God as our standard. Always using the Word of God. And if you've listened to this podcast before or other podcasts like it, we are presuppositional apologists, meaning we presuppose the truth of the Bible. So we're not going to justify the use of the Bible on this podcast. We're just going to use it, and the sword of God cuts. So we're going to always go back to the Bible instead of just our own ponderings, or at least hopefully we do. Right. And also this will be a place of a common start for other Christian groups out there, Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, you name it. Mm -hmm. We should all start from the word of God and go from there. Okay. So I'm going to hand it off to Sebastian then. I'm going to ask you a question here, Sebastian, to start off the episode. What is a work? An action something you do or someone else does specifically to christianity it is either obeying the law of god you can also do evil works which is sinful you are doing something that is against the uh, the will prescribed will or commands of god okay and what is salvation is how you are saved that means how you have eternal life how you're redeemed how you can be taken away from sin and placed into eternal life to be with God forever. Okay. So when we say workspace salvation, what do we mean by that phrase? It means that you perform an action and that earns you the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. And that's uh, we're going to stick to that definition. And some of the audience might disagree with that. In fact, I know that one of the commenters said that workspace salvation means that you believe that you're doing your good works apart from God, that as long as you believe that you're doing the works with God, it's no longer works-based salvation. Uh, we disagree with that. We believe that even if you're God-empowered, if you believe your works are the thing that's earning you into heaven, even if it's God-empowered, even if it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, um, that's fundamentally a misunderstanding of the gospel enough that Paul would call it an anathema. So our definition and the definition, true definition of a works-based salvation is one where your actions elicit the grace of God 
not vice versa, not the grace of God eliciting your actions. And so the grace of God in this case we're talking about is salvation. There's a lot of graces that God can give, and a lot of them are um, dependent on actions. For example, all the Proverbs are all about good things that you can do and receive um, from God. And of course, he empowers you to do those good things and vice versa. But those are things that God gives you out of promise. But salvation itself, so being saved into heaven, is the, the ultimate gift from God. And it, if you do works to elicit that gift from God, it's no longer a gift. Okay, so where do we approach this? Maybe Theodore, I know you have a bunch of scripture in mind. Where would you start with this setup of the problem of that we know we should be doing good works? So does that mean we have to earn our way to heaven? Um, I just don't know where, <laughs> sorry. I kinda, my flow is a little different. Well, the go way ahead, I made where would you notes. take this? Well, I was just going to, uh, my first stuff was presenting, uh, what, um, salvation or works-based salvation people might say. Okay. Yeah. Might go to James, James 2, 24, uh, says, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And then even furthermore, Jesus says, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can then, add, in all the judgment sure. passages and Revelation and wherever else, Jesus says that when he returns again, he will repay each man according to their works. So there you go. The works is what he's judging you on. James clearly says that a man is justified by his works or his works or make him righteous, justifies righteousness or whatever else. I mean, you get the exact quote. And then Jesus himself says that he is judging you by your words and that your words condemn you. So aren't these actions um, the things you're judged on? And I was just saying that uh, it just seems a bit strange um, having to be justified by like individual words, sentences, actions, and whatnot. So I uh, made this is this is the most bashy I'm going to be uh, this episode, and after this I'll let up. <laughs> but I just uh, wrote this out so. Do you have to, according to that perspective, do you have to continually justify yourself such that upon death you will have accumulated 1,867 justifying works and 12,533 justifying words so as to merit that final percentage point of salvation, barely achieving that passing grade? No. And neither is it a group project where God does 90%, Mary does 5%, miscellaneous saints do 4%, and you do 1%. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a classic Theodore tired. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Theodore's writings, but when he writes out his sentences, they're very wordsmithy, very, uh, very C.S. Lewis-esque. In any case, okay. it's yep, a straight shot all. in case you're unfamiliar with, with the Catholic view of the treasury of merit but they all admit and every christian should admit that god is the center of everything is the originator of all good works and that he's the one that saves you everybody says that including catholics but catholics say that he you cooperate with him so he does uh, the most of the work he's the one that initiated the work he's the one that grabbed you and gave you grace but he gave you potential to do good and then you have to do good through his holy spirit and that, that in that way, you can make it to heaven. And even then, they know that you still fall short. And so they have purgatory. They have uh, Mary's good works. We can get stacked on yours. And they have other saints' good works. We can get stacked on yours. And so um, that, of course, is found nowhere in the Bible. And I guess we'll talk about it later in this podcast. But that is incorrect. And so when you take a look at the verses like James or um, Jesus saying he's going to judge each man according to his works, how do we get around then those verses if they don't mean what the Catholics say they mean or any other workspace salvation project says they mean? Go ahead. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say first, let's uh, tackle something very important before I can see the keyboards already mm -hmm. starting to fire up from some Catholics. We are not calling Catholics Pelagians. Everyone here, I would, I would hope, and Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and everyone alike would denounce Pelagianism. What, what is Pelagianism, you may ask? Mm -hmm. I ask it. It is the heresy from an early church man from the time of Augustine, late 300s, if I recall from memory. He would say that based on your actions, you end up deserving the grace of the Holy Spirit 
that en enables you then to uh, start doing good works and becoming a Christian. What the Catholic, everyone rejects it for the record. Everyone here mm -hmm. rejects it. Catholics reject that too. And the, the key to that heresy is that you without God are able to do good works and that basically you're born neutral and that you can do good works yes. or bad works and you choose good ones and you live. Right. And out of your own goodness, then that makes you good enough to enter into heaven mm -hmm. uh, uh, apart from God. So what the Catholics would say, and again, doing my fair shot, my fair shot to get it right, is that the God gives you grace and that enables you to do good works and either accept him or reject him through the sacraments, through baptism, the Eucharist, you name it. It is in first you're enabled by God, then you do your good works. Where we disagree, as we're going to talk about it too, is that you are justified, and maybe it might be good in defining what justification is after after I'm done saying this. Mm -hmm. You are justified by the grace of God with your good works. Yeah, and let's define justification. So we're going to, again, we're going to pause in the Catholic talk. We're just going to talk purely on the heresies that reject it, like the normal ones that even Catholics would agree are our works-based salvation. Um, but to do that, let's define justification. So justification is the word meaning that the judge has ruled you right. You are no longer guilty for the thing that you've been charged with. So if you went into a murder trial and you were justified, it means that you were cleared of the accusation of murder. Um, when we say you need to be justified, it means, and I'm sure if you're a Christian, you know the concept that you've sinned against mm -hmm. God, you need to be justified before God in order to live. Because if you are not justified before God, if you have any sin, any charge against you and you're brought before God, that's correct, it's a true charge, um, you will be punished in hell. That's the punishment for sin is death. It's death, everlasting death in hell. So the punishment for sin is death, as scripture says everywhere in Psalms and in the Gospels and from the Epistles, and you need to be justified in order to avoid death. Now, justification can only happen one way, and this is where people get upset and they start throwing fits. If you sin in any way, as the scripture says, sin is worthy of death. The, payment, the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. So even if it's a small sin, for example, if you steal something, the law, God's law, would say you need to pay back twice or triple or quadruple, depending on the, the thing you stole. That's that's just the human level of payment. So you've, you've mm -hmm. victimized somebody, there's a victim price to be paid, and then you're, you're free of it. So there's no death in that regard. You're not put to death. Um, you're not sold into slavery or whatever else. You just have to pay back what you stole and double or triple or quadruple. However, you not only sinned against your fellow human when you stole, you also disobeyed the Lord. And so your debt to the Lord was not paid when you paid back your debt to the man, your, your debt to the Lord still remains. And your debt to the Lord requires death. Every single sin requires death from the Lord. So although there are different degrees of sin, like murder or, or lies, which are different sins, they require different punishments um, or, or hate in your heart or just lack of love for God, whatever else, these things might not even have an earthly punishment. So lack of love for God does not have a direct earthly punishment. The government doesn't come into your, or shouldn't come, and God's law shouldn't come into your room beat you up because you don't have perfect love for God. Nobody would be able to not get beat up in that case. But God does charge that sin against you. So you would not be justified. Therefore, therefore, if you have this list of sins, which all of us have, we have covetous hearts and lack of love for God, lack of love for neighbor and all the list, or maybe worse. We come before God with all of these sins. We cannot be justified by works. And many people believe that if you give enough candy to strangers, if you build enough hospitals, if you give enough money away, that you can cover your prior sins. So even though you stole something from your neighbor, you have given so much money away and you repaid your neighbor that the Lord looks at your good works and he looks at your bad works and says, your good works outweigh your bad works. I don't know, Theodore or Sebastian, if you have... Islam is the, one, okay. is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. That's the five pillars of Islam. By your good deeds will outweigh the bad so when God judges you. And he tends to favor Muslims, so, I mean, which, which is perfectly fine. It's their religion, so it makes sense. And then the point is you are outdoing the bad that you have done in your life by your good. Mm 
and even Egyptians, like all the ancient Egyptian religion, I was say. <laughs> had had the like the way meant in your weight at the end of your life, and then if you're good, you go to um, if your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, it really the weight of your heart was lighter than than the heavy heart of sin. Then you're able to go into the afterlife, the good one, and then if not, you go to the bad afterlife. The concept is pretty ubiquitous across all of human history because we know there's a final judgment inherently we have the image of god in us we know there's a final judgment there's a final recoup for sins even if we've repaid them in this life we still have the sin to pay to god and so we want some way to be justified before him and the way humans have reckoned it is that well i i cannot pay i don't want to pay the true price to god because the true price to god for all of our sins whichever one is, is is death and we want to avoid death and burning in hell and so we say well I don't want that punishment. That can't be the punishment. I must be able to undo it without dying and being burned in hell. So maybe if I do good things. If I bribe God? If I bribe God, if I do a lot of good things, right? Then they'll see that I'm actually a good person. I'm not a bad person. And therefore I get to go to hell or to heaven and not hell. But God is just. The Christian God is just. And he says in the scriptures that he will by no means pardon the wicked. Meaning when somebody is charged with a wicked sin, God is not going to pardon them without punishment. There needs to be punishment made against the ultimate victim, God. You have victimized God. Now, he is mighty and ultimate. You haven't harmed him in the grand scheme of things, but you tried. You tried to rebel against God, and therefore there is punishment for that. And also, God is so loving. Some may say, how can a loving God throw people to hell or whatnot? He is so loving that he has to punish you for the harm that you have done for other of his creatures, his sons and daughters running around planet Earth. So the fact that he's loving means he has to punish you and other people for the harm that you've done to others, for all the lies you have told. Have you stolen from someone? You did harm to that person. Have you insulted someone? You have done harm to that person. So if God is loving, he has to protect that person. The problem is the other person has also sinned probably against you as well. So we're in a problem. We're stuck in a problem here. Yeah, and if you want the scripture basis for that, there's many places, but I'll just quote Romans 3, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. And that's Paul, but he also he's quoting the Psalms. There he goes, both Old and New Testament. This is something that humanity has known through the revelation of God for eons, that no one is good, not even one. Meaning there is no one righteous, as the psalmist says, as Romans reiterates, no one is justified before God. That is what right. You need to be righteous. If you are righteous, you are justified before God. They're one and the same. No one is righteous, meaning you can do. You can be King David. You can be Moses. You can be a person who has done great work specifically ordained by God. It's not even ones you're guessing that God might like. You might guess that he likes that you walked an old lady across the street, but you know if you're Moses that he likes that you obeyed him and, and uh, as part of the Red Sea and led the Israelites and brought down the law. However, even Moses, even David, they are not righteous. They're not justified because their sins, which all men have done, all men mm -hmm. have sinned, including you watching at home and including us on this podcast, we've all sinned. Our good deeds cannot overshadow our bad deeds because the punishment for our bad deeds wasn't a prescription to good deeds. For mm -hmm. example, if I stole from Sebastian, the punishment is death. It's not, well, you will have to give back four times because that, that's my punishment to Sebastian, but Sebastian is just Sebastian. God is God. So mm -hmm. I was never going to be able to appease him with just paying it back. The punishment is death, regardless of the sin. And so even if I mother Teresa my whole life, but I stub my toe and I, you know, hate God for a second, that punishment, that rebellion against God is death. And therefore, you you can never outweigh your bad works with good works. They will never outweigh because you need to be punished for the bad work. That's the predicament we find ourselves in. That's why Christianity is a thing. It's because we have this predicament and we need to be reconciled to God to avoid death. And the only way to reconcile to God is to die. So how do we not die when the only reconciliation is death? Any Anybody, Theodore, you want to answer? Oh, we got to be justified. <laughs> is that what you're saying? We do need to. <laughs> yes. How do we get justified? Uh -huh. How does a Christian get justified? Um, so we'll go on to this and then I can present a little objection at the end. Uh -huh. You're justified by faith in God through hearing the gospel and believing and repenting and believing on the one whom God has sent, who is Jesus. 
in whom we have found our cause. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Actually, well, well we have. Kidding, but uh, exactly. Be at the end. So the only way to be justified, <laughs> I'll just give the ultimate Sunday school answer, is through Jesus Christ. So through somebody else dying. Instead of us dying, God puts the punishment on Jesus Christ. And so if we trust in Jesus Christ, he is then our advocate. Hold your horses. Doesn't the law says, say that no man can bear the sin of another? Oh, yeah. Classic Jewish objection. Uh-huh. uh-huh. He... <laughs> It, this is true, and what that means is just in straight-up regular context. If I were to steal from Sebastian, and then uh, my mom said, uh-oh, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want Michael going to, to have to pay this back. I don't want Michael going to jail or whatever the punishment is. Um, I'm going to have myself punished instead. You can't do that because I was the, the victor, victorizer, the, the victimizer, the victimizer mm-hmm. of the victim, Sebastian. And so it is not righteous my mom to take the punishment because i i need to pay for it there needs to be a proper payment because the proper payment between men is that one gives and one takes uh-huh. but the proper payment to god is that justice is just straight up done so it's a different level because it's god being sinned against instead of man but secondly the sin against god requires death and any man on earth has sinned against god so every single man is indebted to god for for the ultimate for death even your mom even my mom nothing against her her. (laughs) so if if in the same vein i've sinned against god and my mom goes oh my gosh i do not oh my god i do not want my son burning in hell so she says lord send me to hell so that my son does not have to go he would say let me look up robin oh yeah (laughs) you're a sinner too and you deserve hell so guess what you gotta you gotta go to hell before your son um because you are older than him so that's that's why no man can substitute for your sins and that's why the law itself god's law says that no man can die for another sins because he's already got the payment so then jesus wasn't just a man if he couldn't be justified by him well plainly i mean those who deny that i'm just laying, i'm just laying it out here i'm just laying it out yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of heresies out there and whether jesus was god or not of course orthodox christians believe he is god the god man and the redemption story so jesus christ never sinned did not have his own debt and therefore was able to take on debt from god and our debt of course was to god and therefore um, he could step in as a punishment that was just in god's eyes and therefore god's justice is fulfilled jesus died he paid the death penalty for our sins and we can be justified in faith through christ so as jesus as theodore just laid out Faith in Jesus Christ given to us by the Lord, repenting, turning away from our sins. These are things that prove that we are, Jesus is paid by his blood. And we on this podcast are going to go one step further and say this. We didn't choose to be gods. It was God who chose us. And God foresaw us from the foundation of the world, as Ephesians 1 says. He knitted our hearts together and he knew exactly who he would justify, who he would apply the blood of Jesus Christ onto. So when Jesus died, he knew exactly specifically which sins he was dying for. Otherwise, like he can't, he can't prepay for sins that are possibly not done yet, right? So if it was only possible that I would sin, Jesus couldn't have specifically paid for my sins. Instead, he knew exactly what sins I was going to do, that Sebastian was going to do, that Theodore was going to do, that you at home were going to do, and he paid for the ones that he was going to pay for, and he did not pay for the ones he was not going to pay for. So he did not pay for the sins of the whole world. He could have, but he paid for the specific sins of those who he wanted to save. And when he paid for those sins, it means that you are no longer judged by God. When you are brought before him on judgment day, Satan will bring up a ton of charges against you, every single charge you've got, and every single one will be counted to Jesus Christ, paid for, and then you enter the heavenly kingdom sinless. And so that is the way you are saved. And his sacrifice is perfect, meaning it is not incomplete, which ties into what we're discussing today. Yeah. If it was, if it wasn't perfect, something else would need to be done for right. you to if complete it. Anything that Jesus hadn't paid for, so he paid for all the big stuff. He paid for the murder. He paid for the God hating. He paid for all of it. But that one time he stubbed your toe, he's like, nah, that one you got to pay for yourself. If you were in that scenario, you would be going to hell, not purgatory, not some secondary. Oh, that's not a bad sin. So you get to come to, to Christ anyways, come to Jesus in heaven anyways. Um, if he did not pay for any of your sins, you would still be in the exact same predicament as if he had not paid for any of your sins. Uh, Theodore, you said you had an objection to this standard proof of Jesus's payment. Maybe. <laughs> Somebody objecting to that's the way you're justified through Christ. It's already lost. Uh 
Okay, well, I forgot something else. But <clears throat> this kind of goes back to a Catholic uh, objection. A buddy of mine, Catholic, uh, from Ohio, texted me something along these li uh, this line, and I just made it into a little uh, thing with Jake. But first, uh, like, the question is, is faith essentially a work? Can you distinguish work from faith because we are kind of an actor in both of them, um, in a sense. Right. In John 6, 27 to 29, says, Do not work for food that perishes, this is Jesus talking to people, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do, so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so uh, they would say that, that work is belief. Um, mm -hmm. But the crowds wanted to know what they needed to do so that they could just do it, appease God, and be on their merry way. But Jesus says, rather than doing something at this time or doing this thing this many times, it's a continual relationship and reliance upon every word of God, as Matthew 4, verse 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And to believe on the one God has sent is to listen intently and follow Jesus. For it is the heart, soul, spirit that moves, livens, or quickens the body and its actions, words, or deeds. And, yeah, so... <laughs> and, and if I can do Catholic justice Catholic. of Sorry. summarizing the, okay. the question, it's, we, we say, we're claiming to you, you cannot do works to save yourself. We just went through it. And then we say, we turn around and say, so repent in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. So the, the objector asks, well, okay, if, if I can't like earn myself salvation, if I can't go to the candy store and buy around for everybody in the house and that, that earns, you know, that pays for the time that I stole from the candy store. Um, if that doesn't work, if that doesn't justify me before God, why does repenting justify me before God? Because isn't that just another good work to do? And to that, I'm going to give a surprising Christian answer because I think a lot of well-meaning Protestants and well-meaning Christians across the world flub this one really bad. And it's because they haven't thought about the fact that repentance is a work. Shema. Just like anything else. So having faith, putting faith in Jesus Christ, believing is a work, just like any other good thing. And we're called to do good works. We're called to repent. You're called to do good works. You're called to make recompense for sins that you've done against other people. So all of that you're called to do. And we, we stand with the workspace salvation people that also say you should do good works in saying that you should do good works. God calls you to. And if you aren't doing good works, if you don't repent, you don't believe, as the Bible says, all who repent and believe will be saved and have eternal life. If you don't, you, you aren't saved. But we say the thing that saves you isn't your repentance. The thing that saves you actually isn't your faith. So your, the, the scriptures say your faith saves you, that repent and believe and you will be saved. But it's actually a descriptor of the fact that you are saved, that the Lord has called you out. And at some point he turns, regenerates your heart and you turn towards him. But the thing that saves you is purely the death and act of Jesus Christ paying for your, your sins. It's not any of your works. It's not even your repentance. Your repentance is just a sign that you are saved and so therefore do it. Um, but Jesus Christ's work is the only work that pays for yourself. So the repentance itself would be a work if it was the thing you were relying on, but it's not actually what you're relying on. It's just a mark of your faith. Right. So it's and not it's... so much what saves you, but who saves you, mm -hmm. which is God alone. And then a verse that comes to mind is from Romans. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Being in the flesh means you are sinful. You're an enemy of God. All of this, all of this, we haven't we haven't talked about. Jesus didn't have to do any of this, so his salvation is a gift. That's why he's not entitled to give it to all humans equally. He doesn't have to do it because we all hate gods to different levels in our hearts. Like we're we're throwing things at God, we're throwing food at him, we're taking over his home. He doesn't have to save anybody, but yet he chose to do it out of his uh, compassion. And you're absolutely right. Faith is a good work. Therefore, in order for you to do good, which is something that sinful people cannot do, you cannot please God if you're a sinful human, God takes out your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and that the Holy Spirit communicates to you brings makes reality the death of Jesus Christ in your life. He takes away the veil, as Paul says. Oh, I get it, always get it wrong. I think it's Colossians. Could be wrong. Either that or Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. I think it's Thessalonians. Okay, okay, okay. Takes away the veil. You can see God for who He is. You appreciate what He has done, and now you want to believe in Him. You want to worship Him. You want to thank Him. But that's after he takes your heart of your sinful heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh, as Christ says. And then he is the one who gives you faith too. The epistle to the Hebrews that I claim is written by Luke. Anyway, some people care. We'll say, yeah, say yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Any, some people care. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it says, we look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. So who saves you? Jesus. Who gives you faith and who completes it? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who glorifies you? Jesus. God, God the Father too, but it's all God's work. Right. So when, uh, and I'll just quote another scripture while I'm thinking about it. Again, we want to base our beliefs here in scripture, not just in philosophy. So when we say these things, we're basing it straight up of scripture. Um, Galatians uh, 5, no, not Galatians 5, 4, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Sorry, I've got too many scriptures in my head. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 is, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Now, when I break that down just briefly here, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the first part. For by grace. So by grace, the method of being saved is grace, meaning it's God's gift. It's purely from God. It's not from you. It's the grace of God. And the, the vehicle he used to, to give it to you was your faith. So through faith, you've been graced by God, meaning he has given you faith. You were one of his chosen. He gave you this faith. Um, and it's it's just a grace of his. So the faith is a mark of the fact that you are saved. It's not the thing that saved you. Um, the grace is what saved us. But he says, by grace, through faith, you've been saved. And this, I'm going to go on to the rest of the verse. And this is not from yourselves, just in case you didn't you missed the the mechanism in the first part of the sentence here's the second part this is not from yourselves it's not from you inherently it's god's gift not from works so that no one can boast and ultimately uh, hang on that phrase because it's not just in uh, ephesians that paul says that but it's throughout the scriptures no one should be able to boast about they saved themselves it's, it's not humble whatever else and if you say that a uh, group of people so a, a bunch of people, everybody in your Catholic school, everybody in your high school, or, you know, wherever your group was, everybody heard the same gospel message. But I, I believed God and I started to do good works and my neighbors did not. You were able to boast because genuinely they did get the same quote unquote chance and then you did the good works and they didn't. So now you can boast and you can say, I chose to believe the Lord and they did not. Vice versa, amongst Christians who accept the gospel, if you believe that you can fall out of salvation because you haven't done good enough works, you could say that uh, my neighbor, we both heard the same gospel, we both repented and believed, but my neighbor, he didn't go to mass every day. He didn't walk the old lady across the street. And therefore, I lived, he didn't. Now the Holy Spirit helped me, of course, but the Holy Spirit also helped him, but he didn't do the good works. And therefore, you're boasting in and of your own works. Now we know that there's different rewards in heaven, Mm-hmm. So God does give according to what he wants to and raises some men above others, even amongst brothers. But ultimately, your justification cannot be boasted of because your justification before God was not any of your works. So even if you do all the works and your neighbor does none of the works, your justification is all from God, so you can't boast. I want to clarify, and I agree, Michael, fully. <laughs> this isn't about any viewer or anybody out there prancing about and actually going up to people and laughing at them and boasting. <laughs> right. This this is addressing... I mean, it's can, also addressing those people too, but yes. Yes, yes. You, there may be some, some weird or other that does that, but this is addressing not whether you do it, be a Catholic viewer or whoever you may be, but it's addressing can you even yeah. conceive or even have the option to do that should you want to, even if you don't want to, understand... Don't do that. You're a very humble person. I understand. What it's saying is you can't even do it. Even if you wanted to boast about your salvation, you can't even do it. That's what Ephesians is getting at too. Right. So it's the capacity. It's not, are you actually boasting? Are you actually bragging to people that you're a good Christian? It's not talking about that. It's talking, can you even conceive? Can you even boast if you really wanted to? No, you cannot boast at all. Zero. Nada. Now, I know Theodore has a whole list of things to go through. So I'm going to give one last summary of where we've gone so far and then hand it to Theodore. Where we've gone so far. 
we've uh, proven from the scriptures that all the different religions, whether they're straight up non-claimants to Christianity, like Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam, um, Mormonism, whatever else, although Mormonism claims to be Christian, but I'm just going to shove that in the bucket of totally not Christian, definitely we all agree. Uh, they all claim that you can justify yourself by works before God without God. So God says, obey me, and then you, out of the goodness of your own heart, decide to obey him, and therefore he weighs your good and your bad and decides you're more good than bad and lets you into heaven. We have thoroughly disproved that from the scriptures. We could go further. I mean, it's pretty basic Christian teaching, so we haven't felt the need to like bash it over the head, but we've proven that that's a bad philosophy. And then we've proven how you do get saved from the scriptures. So how are you justified? And it's purely through Jesus Christ, and it's a gift from him. We've proven that that faith is not a work and that repentance is not a work, though it is required of a believer. It's descriptive of what a believer will do. And we just discussed, um, we've hinted at the Catholic objections. The Catholics are with us so far. They say, yes, you cannot do anything apart from God. No good works before God. They also say, yes, you are justified by Jesus Christ. That's the one who justifies you. Where do they fall off? We'll talk about it, but I want to give Theodore his chance to go through <laughs> scripture or whatever else you might have on your end that we haven't talked about yet. Or do um, you want to do the so, Yeah. One, also one cap or side point. As far as uh, baptism goes and justification, I believe mm -hmm. it's the Catholic view that when you're baptized, all of your previous sins are wiped out. So you're justified with all those. And if you die at that point, no purgatory. You go to heaven. Um, but the thing is, baptism doesn't do that. It's not meant to do that. It's, it represents or it's a pledge of a clear conscience before God. It's the beginning kind of symbolic of your relationship. Well, uh, and you know where Catholics that. will go, and maybe we should touch on this because this is this is what causes confusion, and people will proof text these kind of things all over. They go to the the verse in Second Peter, First Peter, I'm forgetting which one, that says that baptism saves you, or they go to the verses that say by faith you have been saved, and so they say the faith is what saves you, um, and they they emphasize the save because we talk about being saved as being justified, and then we talk about. Um, we all use the same word in English, right? Saved. But what does the word mean in context? So when Peter says that baptism saves you, saved through baptism, um, Paul also says that women are saved via childbearing. Uh-huh. Is he talking about justification before God, that any non-childbearing woman is not justified before God? Of course not. Um, but he does. He's talking about their, their edification, that they would naturally be rebellious and... and busy bodies and yet through childbearing they're they're saved they're saved from that fate they're made better they're sanctified if you want to use a churchy word they're sanctified via the childbearing so in the same way peter is talking about sanctification you're sanctified through baptism it's an obedient work of the lord the lord has ordained it as a use for the initiating right like peter uh, theater was just talking about um that's the initiating right of your christianity your, your belief in god and so we are saved via baptism but we're not actually justified by baptism. And that is the key difference. And it's purely a linguist thing. And I would I would argue that Catholics did not find the Bible verse first and then um, come up with the doctrine. I believe they came up with the doctrine because it makes sense um, to the human mind and then found the verses that would justify it because the verse isn't really talking about justification via baptism. Mm -hmm. That's a and good summary. I believe uh, Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews that mentions that Jesus was the sacrifice offered once and for all times. And if only all their previous sins are wiped out by baptism, then they need to re-sacrifice or represent mm -hmm. the sacrifice of Jesus to continue periodically wiping out their sins that they keep accruing. Which is exactly what the Catholic Mass is. So you've described it in very plain language. You get initially justified via baptism and belief, and then all your, your clean slate. But as soon as you get dirty again, you have to go back to Mass. Otherwise, you die with sin on you, which would be terrible because it would mean you're going to hell. So Catholics come up with a whole other doctrine to deal with remaining sin after baptism. And so Catholics officially believe, and again, sue me for the summarization here, but they believe that you're initially baptized and therefore you're made clean at baptism, and that marks you as a Christian. You're going to heaven. Great. Uh, true Catholic baptism and true belief in God at that point. Um, or unless you're a baby. Uh, in which case you're just saved until you've got the age of accountability and whatever. I'm not going to address it all. Um, 
then your, your next sins, all the sins after your, your initial baptism, are put on you. They're imputed to you, which is totally against the Bible. The Bible says that how happy is the man whose sins are not imputed to him, um, as David sings and as uh, is reiterated by the epistles. Meaning charged against you, right? Charged against you, right. So if you have sins charged against you, like the Catholics say you do after baptism, then you're going to hell. Um, but they say, no, these are little sins. Um, all the venial sins that you've marked up until then, they can get forgiven by mass. And if you die with a couple of venial sins on you or a billion venial sins on you, you know, you ate too much candy 30 billion times for your next mass, um, you will have to pay all that back. But this time in purgatory, not in hell, because it would be terrible if you went to hell, so you're going to pay it off in purgatory. You're going to need to be purged. And they come up with a whole high philosophy of how you need to be purged before you enter the presence of God, not to mention that it's easily refuted by the fact that when your flesh dies, your sinful part dies with it, so there's no purging needed past death. Um, besides that, if you die with any sin, the Lord can't put you in purgatory rightly. You need to be judged for the sin that's on you. So if you truly had sin on you when you came before the Lord, you're going to hell, not purgatory. And therefore, when you come before God, you're either blameless or you're blame-filled. There's no in-between. And um, Catholics even come up with mortal sins, which mean that you are going to hell now because it was bad enough, but it's purely on human judgment. Um, they quote First John, who says, some sins lead to death. Mm -hmm. Again, straight up out of context. The obvious context there, I think, to any Old Testament reader, to any Bible reader, is that there are certain laws you can break that lead to the death penalty. And so John is saying, there are many sins that you pray for and you help brothers pray for and you, you strive and love that they might kill those sins. But there are some sins that lead to death, the ones that you would kill somebody for, that you shouldn't just pray about. You should do something about like, <laughs> this is a murderer in your church. So you don't just pray about that and pray like for forgiveness from the Lord. You also try them and kick them out of the church. So anyways, I interrupted you, Theodore, on that big old tangent. What do you have to say? I know you have like a Catholic call and response on your, your notes, other things. Yeah, I'll just read that now. Okay. <clears throat> so regarding like is faith work or still trying to put some sort of work in there. Kathy the Catholic says, uh, if you have to keep the faith or actively trust and pursue God, is that not a work in the sense that you still have to do something? And Paula the Protestant can respond, though, based on in a lot of stuff that w what we've said and also many scriptures real that we'll people, get by to. the way, Paula the Protestant. <laughs> she could say, sure, it's a work in the sense that John uh, 6, 29 is a work, i.e. I. the this is the work of God that you believe in him, <laughs> right. believe in him whom he has sent. Nevertheless, uh, and these are all parts of scripture, the being drawn, being given the gospel, the gift of faith, uh, your position in the pasture of Jesus' sheep, uh, the life and growth caused by God, the being born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, these are all the sources um, and impetus of the uh, of the work that we exhibit, i.e. they come before. Um, and the quality of our work is therefore not a prerequisite data for God's decision of whether um, to justify or condemn us. And faith is not independent of God. Rather, it is birthed, apportioned, gifted, and grown by God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, just the rest of the stuff is sequence of scripture verses. And, about and being that's a great one. And I would keep that kind of response in your pocket if you ever called for that. Is, is faith a work thing by Catholics or others? Um, I would like to touch on a Catholic talking point maybe you guys can react to. I heard many commenters, and that's not the first time, say, first of all, we Catholics do not believe in works-based salvations. First thing, because we've mentioned it in our other video, we do not believe in works-based salvation because the code, they, they know a code that the church says that they don't believe in works-based salvation. So when you hear somebody say they do, you say that they don't. Um, just like when, when Mormons uh, hear somebody say they're not Christians, they say we are, but they aren't. And so... Catholics, likewise, say they don't believe in works-based salvation. They have that mem line memorized. Um, but what do they believe in? They say that, well, we definitely don't believe in works-based salvation. We believe that if you believe in God, he, he's given you grace. If he gives you grace, you can believe, then you have the chance to believe in God. And then if you do so decide to believe in God, then you have to continue in good faith. And if you don't continue in good faith, you're lost forever. Or you can come back. No, but if you don't continue in good faith, you're lost forever. And that as long as you do good works, you'll be saved. 
And then you say, that's works-based salvation. You're saying that your good works save you. And you go, no, 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 no. The Catholic says, God allows you to do the works. So it's not, it's not you who's saving yourself. It's God saving you, but you have to cooperate with God. So you're working for yourself. And you only get... And you only get the grace to cooperate by obeying the sacrament stuff, right? I mean, you can go further down the rabbit hole. I don't. I, Catholics, um, okay. especially lay Catholics, aren't super united on exactly the mechanisms for how you get it, but they know that you get grace from God via the Holy Spirit. That's a mechanism, the mechanism, and that's through that um, you're either re-upped at mass or whatever else, and re-upped by by worship and liturgies of the hour and whatever else, but. The, the core is that God is the one that enables you to do good, and therefore you have to do good. And so the good works are what you need to go to heaven, but it's all enabled by God. So isn't it God in the end? It's not really you. Aha, I've caught you. This is why I'm the keyword here. <laughs> Comment section. Uh, my response is simply this, and I think it's simple enough that, that you don't need a doctorate degree to understand it. When you die, if you are going to think you can speak back to God. So he'll list off all your, your evil works. And then you'll say back to him, well, actually, God, what you missed on the list of sins there is all the good stuff I did. Think about all the stuff you allowed me to do. Praise you, God, that you made me a good person on life. You know, the old lady that I walked across the street, the, the round of candy I bought everybody at the candy bar. Um, you forgot all that. It's not on your list. And he'll go, irrelevant. I'm charging you for your crimes, not your goodness. <laughs> you're going to hell. You know, say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jesus Christ paid for my sins, right? And he'll say, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't actually respond to God like this. We, we're all closed mouth before God. So I think the end of this is that you can't, you can't tell God what he missed. Um, but if you think that Jesus Christ's payment is only for your original sin or only for every sin that you've committed since the latest mass, and you come before God and you're hoping that you can, you can boast in your good works or at least use your good works as, as a cover for some of your small sins, um, you will be so, sadly mistaken. And so whatever you decide to call that, whether you decide that's not what the definition of workspace salvation is, you know, I guess all the more power to you. I think it's a confusion of language because that is what workspace salvation is. You're hoping mm -hmm. your works save you ultimately, even if it's just a couple of them. Um, but whatever you call it, if you think you are going to come to God on judgment day and be able to justify yourself with works, even if the vast majority of your, your justification is via Jesus Christ, if any of your justification is via works, you'll be sadly disappointed because your works cannot pay your price to heaven and you will be sent to hell, not purgatory. And so that's the, the reaction of the Catholic is, I don't care what you call it, you don't have to call it works-based salvation if that upsets you, but whatever it is, if you think that you are not clean and you come before God, you aren't, you're right, and you'll be sent to hell. So please... Do not reject the gospel. The gospel cannot be taken in part. You cannot say that I'll have some of Jesus, but then some of myself. You have to take all of Jesus' payment or you receive none of it. And that is why we say the Roman Catholic Church has fundamentally left the faith. They've denied the gospel. We say at the Council of Trent, and I'm sure Sebastian would love to speak on this, um, the Catholic Church has a long, long history of being a true and faithful church. Um, it's varied and, and vastly varies because of what a huge piece of land and amount of people it has governed. And so there are many faithful Catholics throughout history. The Protestant church is the Catholic church as far as it has the exact same history up until the breaking point in the Reformation. Um, there were many non-faithful Catholic churches all throughout history, just like there's non-faithful Protestant churches all throughout history of just local churches being unfaithful or whole nations being unfaithful. But as a church, the Roman Catholic church has stood faithful and at least allowing Christian churches inside of it to operate with the gospel. But in the 1500s at the Council of Trent, they distinctly defined the definition of being Roman Catholic as denying the gospel, as accepting works by salvation. And maybe Sebastian can take that up. And that's when we would say they officially anathematized and left the faith. doesn't mean there weren't local Catholic bodies that were still holding to the gospel. And honestly, it doesn't even mean that there aren't individual Catholics today who believe in the gospel. But the Roman Catholic Church officially denies the gospel. And so we, we say officially the Roman Catholic Church is apostate and we pray they come back into fold. Yes. Amen. And yes, there were some holdouts, some people called Jansenists in Holland that tried to say, say yeah, probably we should hold on to that justification mm -hmm. while still holding on to the papacy. Unfortunately, those people didn't last very long. Yeah. For better or for worse. The Council of Trent, the context, please. There's no, it's okay. You can say Protestants are heretics. You know, there's no need to be shy about it. It's fine. In the context, 
for I'm speaking to Catholics. Yeah, there's no need to pretend like you know be ecumenical. That's okay. You don't you don't have to do that. The context of the Council of Trent, the reason why it happened was because there was this thing called the Reformation happening in in Northern Europe, and because of the teachings of Martin Luther. That is the context. The Council of Trent was convened to counter, hence the word counter Reformation to counter Martin Luther. So it's not just some modern context that you can take it. You can try to soften it. Don't soften it. There's no need. I'm not offended. If you call us a heretics, that's acceptable to what the differences are. I only say that because of some of the comments I've read. So, Council of Trent, 1545. If anyone says that men are justified either by the sole imputation of the justice of Christ or by the sole remission of sins to the exclusion of the grace and the charity which is produced forth in the hearts by the Holy Ghost, and is inherited in them, or even that the grace whereby we are justified is only the favor of God, let him be anathema. And in case you're confused by the fancy language there, I'll just read that last sentence, that if you believe, even if you believe that the grace given by God, like the Ephesians 2 verse that I quoted, for by grace you've been saved through faith, um, if you believe that is only given by God, you are anathema. If it doesn't include your works enabled by the Holy Spirit, you are anathema, which is anathematizing Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, not from works, so that no one can boast. That's directly counter to what the Council of Trent concluded on that issue, the central issue of the Reformation, and therefore, again, that's when we'd say the Roman Catholic Church officially left the allowance position of allowing true gospel-living Christians to be inside of it. I'm not, again, to say that there aren't rebellious Catholics who are actually Christians inside the Catholic Church, or they're ignorant, they don't know any better. Um, but we stand against the official position of the Catholic Church, which is anti-gospel. And again, just to hammer down, the reason why this is spelled out this way is because that's what Luther was teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that the, please do not try to go around it. It's, oh, it's yeah. fine, it's fine. And just a tangent on that, yes. Uh, a lot of our Catholic commenters, it comes with the line of, we don't believe in workspace salvation, even though they do by at least our definitions, by normal definitions. Um, equally, they will act, it seems like, at least to me, it seems like they are acting as if there's no difference between Protestants and Catholics on justification. Which, in that case, why was there a Council of Trent? Why did the Reformation even have to happen? Why are Protestants and Catholics separate today? It was all about justification. So if there's no difference between the Catholic and Protestant position on justification, why did the church ever split? Of course there is. It was the whole reason they split. So I, I find it, I don't think it's disingenuous because I think the people that are commenting just don't know any better. And that's what they comment. Mm -hmm. uh, even if they're well-educated and whatever else, it's the line from the Catholic church. And so they don't know any better. But it seems disingenuous when you say um, that there's no difference between the two of us in justification, even though there is. And it's like the core thing of what makes you different than, than Protestants. Because it sounds like you just don't want to talk about your view of justification or that you don't understand your view of justification. And so I elaborated in the comments. I said, okay, if you don't think you have works-based salvation, which is my main complaint against you, then what makes my view of justification different than yours? And if they were able to, to iterate it, which many of the commenters did, because if we have smart commenters, smart people watch our show, you know, uh, <laughs> they would always describe workspace salvation. I'm like, well, thank you for describing workspace salvation because that's what you believe. I'm glad you're able to articulate it because I would hope, I would hope that if you truly believe it's not workspace salvation, then maybe you actually are saved. Maybe you're a true Catholic, like a true believing Catholic, one that actually believes in the true gospel, not the false one. Um, unfortunately, often they'll say, we don't believe in workspace salvation and then describe to you what they believe, which is workspace salvation. Any other comments, Sebastian, Theodore, that you'd want to put maybe in the Catholic category, maybe in just general workspace salvation that you want to talk about before we wrap up today? I have heard that there is a, as I've seen actually, that there is a, try to soften the word work with the use of the word merit. So oh, yeah. even if it's by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we can merit for ourselves. <laughs> so, it's, it's semantics, but... In the literal sense of the word, semantics meaning wordplay. It is wordplay. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't want to call it work salvation. You can call it merit-based salvation. I mean, it doesn't matter. You you cannot contribute any actions to your justification before God. And I've also heard it referred to as virtues. One of the commentators was saying virtues, which virtues are just good works, which are obedience to the law. And like that's exactly what in, in Galatians, I'll say, 
it's not just us saying this is anti the gospel and exactly why it's bad. Um, Paul calls this out in Galatians as anathema, meaning cut off, not Christian, even though it's a tiny difference. The Judaizers were coming to Christians in the, the Greek world and saying this, absolutely believe Jesus is the Son of God. You're justified through Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Amen. But you need to obey the works of the law, which, I mean, we all agree. And if you heard my podcast a couple times before, I'm always talking about obeying the works of the law, like doing works of the law because it's good. Uh, and I think a lot of Christians ignore the law these days. So it is good to obey the works of the law. It's why God gave it. It's the, God, it's the law of God. He's the one that gave it. So as Judaizers were saying, yes, you need to obey the law. Great. So the law is really just a, a synonym for good works or virtue. So be virtuous. You must believe in Jesus Christ and be virtuous. But what they connected is that they said you need to be virtuous and that is how you're justified. And if you don't act in virtue, you are not saved. And not in the way that like First John says it, like if you continue to sin and you don't repent, then you're clearly not saved. The way Jesus says it, if the fruit if the fruit is not bearing from the tree, then the tree is not um, a good tree, but a bad tree. The Judaizers are saying, go and get circumcised, a work of the law. But of course, I'm sure it included the whole of the book of the law. Um, otherwise, you are not justified. If you don't do this work, you're not justified. And that is what Paul says. And is, an, is anathema. If you believe that you are saved by your works, you are anathema. That's the Galatians quote I had on hand. Galatians mm-hmm. 5, 4 says, um, if, uh, if you mix the law and works, I'm not going to quote it right now because I forgot it now, but if you mix the law and works, you're anathema. You're apart from Christ, you've fallen from grace. And so that is why we specifically from scripture say that a view that mixes good works, virtues, as the Catholics might call them, or merits or whatever code words mm-hmm. they use, it's just the exact thing that the Judaizers were doing 2,000 years ago. Right. And for the record also, let's reiterate, we do not reject a living out your faith through good works right you the bible is in it can it can be tricky but the god does make distinction he does say you were saved you're being saved you will be saved mm-hmm. you were justified past tense done deal check with romans you are being saved you're being sanctified do good works live out your faith james uh, epistle of james we second that amen mm-hmm. no loose living and cheap grace you have to live out your faith. And your faith is justified by your good works, meaning that your your faith is proven to others and to yourself by the good works that you do. So when James says that the man was justified by his works, mm-hmm. his faith was justified by his works, he's saying it's justified before men, before yourself, not before God. Of course, God knows the ultimate truth of anything. He doesn't need your faith to be justified. He needs you to be justified. And that's why it's not relevant to the conversation about being saved. Justified. And if you noticed, I added a third category, you will be saved. Wait, I thought I thought we were saved and they're being saved, but we will be saved. What does that even mean? You will be glorified. If you've noticed, we don't tend to live for that long. Mm-hmm. We can we cannot die. Eventually, when God comes back to earth to rule forever in his kingdom, we will have immortal bodies. We will have new bodies. I would hold this Paul Paul's argues. And even in Romans eight, those he justified, he also glorified. There's a distinction between your justification and the past tense also. God will not impute sin to you. That is done. That is past, past, done. Justification, sanctification, merits, good things, live out your faith. You justified by by your works to people. Excellent. And you will be saved. You will be glorified. God himself is going to make a new body for you. And you will be living with him for eternity. Mm-hmm. Complicated. But the Bible makes a clear distinction with all the steps in the process of salvation. To reiterate, we kick out the Muslims and Mormons and everyone who says, yes, you're safe. And, and Jews, I mean, modern day Jews. Okay, and, and modern, modern day Judaism too. Yes, they all get the boot because they say we can outdo our bad deeds. Okay, get out of here. Now, with people who claim to have the brand Christian, we've been addressing how is how does it actually play out once you receive grace when does you receive the blessing of god how does it play out so the problem with many systems out there primarily catholics and eastern orthodox is that they mixed sanctification and justification if you notice how the way i've been describing here from also from scripture there is a confusion there that is why this is such a contentious issue mm-hmm. and my hope is that We've been able to point out how justification and the way you live out your faith are very, very distinct. They're 
related for sure you have to live out your faith you can't just sit on your butt and do nothing after you believe in jesus jesus calls us out to do good mm-hmm. but doing good is not what makes you right before god it is jesus christ alone who makes you right before god and also you will get new body in heaven so yeah more more to the story than just living out your life now i also think uh, one of the last things maybe the last thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the the toll it takes to be in a workspace salvation system if you talk to the many man-made religions of the earth of which there are endless amounts jehovah's witnesses for example or mormons or catholics um, they will talk about the fear and the tiredness and the overwhelmingness it takes to try to justify yourself by your works because you will always fail it's impossible you're trying to live up to a standard that you cannot do you're not you're you're fallen by your flesh your flesh is always fighting you to sin and therefore you can't be perfect and so they'll talk about the toil and the the non-peace that they have with god in knowing that they aren't justified day by day by day because of their continued sin now there is anguish that comes with sin but we can have peace and joyously pursue god knowing we are already justified so that all our good works that we pursue are not the thing that we're hinging on in the end. So when we sin, we can repent and turn and hate sin and love what is good, but not out of fear of death any longer because we have eternal life now. We're not waiting on it. And, you know, Sebastian, you came out of Roman Catholicism. I don't know if that was ever a thought of your mind or if it never really crossed your mind, but that, like, earning your way is a very um, hamster wheel, unfulfilling way that you do not have peace with God. As as I get as I got older, a uh, yes, I can see the the toil that it can take on someone, and needlessly so, because none of that is prescribed in Scripture. In fact, the opposite is uh, Jesus Christ says, "Come to me, all those who are weary, for my I always get mixed up. My yoke is easy, yeah. and my burden is light." Yep, okay, yeah. okay, nice. I don't know why I switched those around. And uh, he is truly the Prince of Peace. In the Roman Catholic system, you can see how the reliance on the sacraments and the repetitiveness of it, how you can live a very good life, and if you commit a mortal sin, even after you just receive the Eucharist and then you go home, you commit a mortal sin, you can die mm-hmm. and be permanently cast into hell, separated from God. Whereas the scriptures say uh, the exact opposite of that. Those, once you're in Christ Jesus, Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. You are his. Yes, he says you are his. And also it is, I would consider it is an insult to God to say, it's like, yes, Jesus Christ, beautiful, died, perfect sacrifice, except it's not really that perfect because we need to represent it again. We need to redo it. Also, you need to cooperate with him in order for you specifically to be in heaven. God expects you to also do your part. Where you get that from? So, yeah. I mean, we're expected to do good works, but it's not the thing that hinges on whether or not we're God's. We are adopted sons. He doesn't abandon us. Um, and Theodore, I just want to touch on you too. You had a couple years with a cult, a South Korean cult, um, that also, like many other things, had workspace salvation in it. Um, did you find that stressful, or what was your experience of that kind of system? Um, yeah, of course it was stressful. So. <laughs> Like one year, there were like three levels. So based on how much you do or how much you uh, look at yourself and what you've done, you can estimate basically whether you're at like the 1,000 level, 2,000 level, 3,000 level, and then like the next year or two years later, oh, wow, there's 4,000 level, there's 5,000. So basically, it just keeps going up. So yeah, just... um, they could say that's just rewards i've never heard that though and i was there for like four five four or five years um but it's actually yeah just being saved at a higher level yeah i mean that cult kind of thing is just so transparent on how it rewards there that it's obvious i think to to um well-armed christians that's workspace salvation and it's wrong um but it's the same system that Roman Catholics and other more devious systems have. It's just more plainly laid out. So and it is, it's not good. I am blessed by God in that I was never trapped in a system like that. Um, I only have God to thank, just as we only have God to thank our justification for. But I've heard the stress that it happens in. Uh, I don't envy people in that kind of position. 
So any last wrap up words, Theodore, gotta, Sebastian, for yeah, for pre dawn prayer too. The sacra the sacrament of pre dawn prayer. <laughs> yeah. I would say we should be encouraged to do good now that we truly have peace with God. So in, because of that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that once and for all, you need to repeat it. You need to look to it every single time to forgive your sins. He has perfectly removed the stain, not just of your original sin, but all sin perfectly because he is perfect. He is God himself. He took on uh, our transgressions upon him. Our iniquities were placed on him so that we could be healed and be restored to proper relationship with God. Because of that, we are encouraged to do good, not because we contribute to his good work, but because God has been so gracious with us. He loves us. He has changed us to love him, and we do it out of happiness. Like, how, how much more? To preach, to do this podcast, to serve in our churches, attend our churches, whatever it may be, uh, charity, you name it. The perfect sacrifice of Christ encourages us to do that, not as a requirement, but simply out of love for Him. That is yeah, the difference also with the way we see uh, good godly works, whereas with other systems see godly works. Now I hate squishiness. All right, I watch Michael Knowles a lot, way too much. And he's a Catholic, and like I, I, I really hate squishiness. There's a lot of Protestants out there that are super squishy, and I'm not calling you to come to Protestantism as a Roman Catholic here. I'm calling you to come to God and the true gospel. So this isn't even an attack on all the many things I disagree with the Roman Catholic Church on. It's specifically on the gospel issue. And Sebastian just gave some squishy language, but it's true. Like the the love of God, it brings peace and it should be out of love that we obey God instead of this um, this fear of God. So we should fear God in that he is, he is awesome and mighty and able to judge. Um, but honestly, it seems like works-based salvation, people do not fear God enough because they think they can stand before him and be justified by their own works. So they live in fear all their life and then ultimately they don't have the proper fear of God when they come to death. So um, we call you out of that system and come to the proper system, the actual truth and beauty of Christianity is the payment that Christ has already paid. So that is why we have found our cause in serving that very same Lord Jesus Christ. I'm with Michael Demea behind the machine and to my right is been Sebastian, the bookkeeper, and next week I can give you fire and brimstone if that's what you want, but screaming. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> yes. Sebastian screaming on Mike. And then across the airwaves it's been Theodore under the PC. Thank you all for watching. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundgauze.podbean.com where we have all our audio downloadable listening episodes, yes? Mm -hmm. And then we're also on facebook.com forward slash foundgauze where you can find our lovely faces. And of course, we're on YouTube, which is absolutely blowing up 250 views in the first week. Are you kidding me? I'm famous. We're all famous. All right. Until next time, we talk about something completely different or Sebastian has promised to scream on Mike like Alex Jones. Bye-bye. Did I promise that? Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>